0: Thanks, guys. Uh, Great words, aren't they? If you've been listening to the songs and singing along, but actually taking in those words, you'll see that we're heading in a particular direction today, uh, thinking about what it is to worship. Uh, We're in the middle of a series that we're thinking about raising our spiritual temperature. That is, we all know that as followers of Jesus that there are times when we feel pretty cool. There's times we feel medium. Sometimes we might even feel hot. Uh, But God desires that we feel hot all the time Uh, And so we've been thinking about that And we've been thinking about what ways we can go about that To raise our temperature, to move from wherever we are Towards being hotter for God Uh, And last week we talked about reading God's Word About reading God's Word, about listening, about praying, about sitting with that Uh, And so today we're going to be thinking about what it is to worship What does that mean? So we're going to read from Romans chapter 12. We're going to read from Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 21. And Heather's going to read that for us. And then we're going to think that through together. Romans 12,
1: verses 1 to 21. Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honour one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, But keep your spiritual fervour serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Amen.
0: Click down, we'll see how we go. Let's see what happened. Ha! Worked! Miracle! It's happened. Uh, Great passage, isn't it? Uh, You could spend a lot of time in that passage. We're going to hit the first couple of verses uh, specifically today, and then we'll lead into the rest of the verses, because they run out of it. But we're going to spend a bit of time just thinking through what do we mean by the word worship? Uh, What does worship mean? Often people have different ideas about it. But generally, the word worship means something that's worthy of your life. Uh, Worship means something that you orientate your life around. Something that's at the centre of what you do and that directs everything that you do. That's what worship means. And you know, everybody worships something. I don't know if you've noticed, but if you look at every other culture in the world, throughout all of history, everyone has worshipped something. Every culture has had this idea of there's something bigger and greater than them to be able to live towards or live in that direction. And that's also for us. You might say, well, for some of those other cultures around the place, it might have been uh, a little stone idol or it might have been the sun or it might have been another form of that Uh, and you might say well western cultures moved out of that, well actually no western culture hasn't moved out of it we've just changed it we've moved it to other things we've moved it to for a period of time it was science but actually science is waning because people are thinking science doesn't give us all the answers Uh, we've worked towards money, finance Uh, We've looked towards having the lifestyle. Or we've had even family. has become things that we've orientated our lives around. You see, everybody worships something. But you see, there is only one that is worthy of our worship because there's only one that can carry that weight. To orientate your life around something then you're basically saying that is what I am putting my trust in for everything. And there's only one that can carry that weight. We're going to watch a clip now that will just help us think that through a little bit more. Down the bottom corner there, guys.
2: worships. Sure, not everyone wants to call it worship or even think about what they're doing, but everyone worships something. Everyone has some ultimate thing that they centre their life around. Something or someone that they hope will give their life meaning or purpose. For some, it's religion. For others, it's money. For some, it's fun. For others, it's success or power. Or science or knowledge. Or beauty. Or popularity. For some, it's love or sex. For some, it's their family. But the Bible says, all things were made by Jesus and for Jesus. This means we were created to worship, but there is only one who is really worthy of our worship. That's why nothing else in this world satisfies we keep on looking, we keep on striving, we keep on buying, but nothing delivers. Nothing brings us that deep satisfaction that we long for. But when you live your life with Jesus as the centre, you're doing exactly what you're created to do. You're right in the place you're supposed to be. So the irony is that when we Give our lives over to worship Jesus, that's when we actually find ourselves. Everyone worships, but we were made to worship just one.
0: Looks like I need to upgrade my free make video, doesn't it? To gold. It's great, isn't it? It's a great little clip. It just reminds us that we're orientated. We're actually made to worship. You and I were designed to worship. That's why we look for things to worship. That's why we look to put our trust in things. That's why we look for something bigger to give us purpose and meaning because that's the way we were designed and that's the way God made us. And we search for it in all different ways, but there's only one that fulfills it. There's only one that's worthy. That's the one who made us in the beginning it's the one who created us in the beginning That's the one who saved us as well it's Jesus he's the one that is worthy of our worship and why is he worthy of his worship well we can look at creation and we can look at the world and we can go wow God's made all this Jesus together they've put this together that's phenomenal but when we come to the Bible it says yes look there that's a sign of it But where it's most seen, and the biggest reason, have a look at what Romans 12 verse 1 says. It says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. Creation gives us a glimpse, but God's mercy shows where it's at. It says, in view of, he says, look at, go back and look. And if you had been reading Romans chapters 1 to 12, you would have seen that the writer of that, Paul, was putting together an argument. Uh, he writes brilliant. It's an amazing piece of writing. And he does an argument. He starts from basically creation at the beginning and who we are and what we are. And he shows that from the beginning, you and I now together have decided that we actually want to worship ourselves. Because, you see, we moved away from God and decided that we were what we orientate ourselves to. As we orientate ourselves to ourselves, we end up letting ourselves down because we're not perfect, are we? We can't do it. And so Romans chapter 1-12 to go through and it shows us that we continually fail and we continually let God down and we continually fail ourselves and others. And the reason for that is because we are sinful, because we don't do what God wants us to do. We're broken people. Sin impacts everything. And that actually not only breaks us internally, but breaks our relationship with others and ultimately breaks our relationship with God. And because of that, we actually deserve God to say, go away. We actually deserve God's wrath, His anger. We actually deserve to be cast out of his presence forever, for eternity. And in chapter 12, he says, in view of God's mercy, if you go back to chapter 11 just before that, we hear the wonderful message that God stepped into that and fixed that problem with Jesus. Well, we didn't deserve it. It's not for us. It, wasn't, it wasn't because of us. It wasn't because we deserved any of it. We actually quite deserved the opposite. But God in his great love and his great mercy, mercy and love can be almost interchangeable. His mercy and love says that I don't want you to stay that way. I want you to know what it is to be whole. I want you to know what it is be created for. I want you to know what it is to worship the one who can hold the weight of your worship. And so he sent Jesus to deal with the issue that causes the breakdown in that and to deal with sin. And Jesus steps into it and he takes that and at the cross he takes all that punishment, all that wrath, all that rejection all laid on him. God in his great love for you sacrificed his son so that you could have a living, loving relationship so you could worship the one who can hold the weight of your worship now and forever. That's what he's saying in view of God's mercy. He says, turn your eyes to the cross. Turn your eyes to Jesus. See what he's done there. And in his resurrection, that he's come back to life, turn your eyes to that and see that. Because that's where it sits. That's the beauty of all of this. And so often we look for everything else, don't we? And even as Christians, we tend to look for other things, don't we? We tend to look for that extra experience. Something that will light us up. We look for other things around the place. We look for even relationships. We can even think, oh, we're Christians, but we throw an extra weight onto a relationship. But it lets us down, doesn't it? Paul says, turn our eyes. Our view needs to look to Jesus. Because it's in his mercy that he saves us when we're in complete hope." as we look at the cross as we see Jesus' resurrection that we see the one who is to be worshipped the one who saves us in his mercy and grace for you and I this guy is by the name of Brett Archibald I don't know whether you know the story of Brett but Brett went to Bali uh, and he went on a boat, a surfing trip with his mates uh, and they were having a fantastic time and they drunk a fair bit the night leading into the night and during the night after a number of them have gone to sleep Brett Wright woke up and went to the side of the boat and decided to burly for the fish around. He decided to throw up uh, and he threw up over the side of the boat and he was so violently ill that he actually fell off the boat and fell in. Uh, the boat was on automatic cruise, it just continued away from him and he was left. And none of his mates knew because they were all asleep. No one knew that he'd fallen off uh, until the morning. And so by that time it would been a number of hours and they were a long way away uh, from where Brett was. Well, they decided to put out the call and, it, and people started to search for him. And for 29 hours he was in the water by himself and no one got near him until a guy by the name of Daisy, who was... No, sorry, Doris was his name. Started with D. Doris, who was an Australian bloke who was also out surfing with his mates. Uh, he was an old fishy. He'd been around. He's a bit like Brody Alexon. He knew what stuff was out there on the surf and the sea. And he just decided that he'd go and find uh, Brett. And so with his knowledge, he worked out 29 hours. He looked at the currents. He looked at the sea. And eventually he made his way towards him. At that point in time, Brett had been fighting off sharks. Uh, he'd uh, taken on a whole lot of water there'd been times where he thought he would just take his life and he tried to want to drown himself because this was just the end of his life he was at his tether there was nothing that he could do to save himself he was gone he believed he was gone but Doris steamed towards and Doris found him and him and his crew saved Brett he was lost Completely lost, except that Dorothy went and got him. That's like you and I, guys. We are completely lost until God sent Jesus to rescue. We try to drown ourselves sometimes, don't we? We try to find other things. We try to do other things, but we can't. We're lost. And that is God's mercy for us, that he steamed towards us in Jesus, sent Jesus to live for us, to die for us, to rise again for us, so that we don't have to experience God's wrath anymore, we can be in a relationship with him for eternity, now and forever. I think if we've been Christians for a while I think sometimes we lose that view don't we too sometimes we forget how huge that is so Paul says in view of God's mercy turn your eyes back if you're here today and you're wondering you're thinking about well what's this about well what does it say Paul says in view of God's mercy turn your eyes to Jesus check him out because that's where it's at And in Jesus, we have someone who is worthy of orientating our whole life around. He can carry the weight because He's the creator of everything, He's our Saviour. He holds everything together. He can hold the weight of your worship because He will not let you down because He is God. He is worthy of worship. God's great rescue mission for you and I was Jesus. And so, what's our response to that? What does he say? Well, he say in review of God's mercy, as we turn our eyes there, what's the response that we should have to that? Look what he says to offer your bodies, that is your whole self, that is everything of you, as a living sacrifice. That is to commit everything of you to Him. You see, the danger with living sacrifices is they get off the altar and they run the other direction, don't they? That's what we can do, can't we? We can say, yes, we trust and believe in Jesus. Yes, we're going to give you life to him. Then we go, oh, i can't to get off the altar. I'm going to go off for, I'm going to potter over here for a little while. I'm going to go spend some time over here. This, is, this could be worthy of my life. He says, in view of what God has done for us, his great love for us, we're going to stay in our whole lives orientated around him living for him and it's to give our whole life it's a total surrender over to the one who can hold us and carry us and take us it's a total surrender of everything of who we are jesus said the greatest commandment is to what it's to love the lord your god with your whole heart soul mind and body he just doesn't say your heart he just doesn't say your soul it doesn't just say your mind it's a whole lot every part of us is to be orientated to Him and that's what worship is. It's a whole life thing. Uh, A number of years ago, we went to New Zealand. I of you remember and you might have even seen that photo before. Uh, But uh, if you can see the really buffed guy at the front, that's me. Um, The one behind is... uh, No, actually, Hamish is at the front. He's more buff than me. Uh, Hamish is at the front. I'm just behind him and then Hannah. Uh, And we went to go paddling uh, in New Zealand, whitewater rafting. Amazing experience. But when you go whitewater rafting, uh, like me, who's had very little experience of that, you're out of your depth. And so the bloke at the back is the guy that controls everything. Okay? Now, you put your life in his hands because he's the guy that knows what it is. And you know how hard it is to put your life in the hands of a kiwi? (laughs) Man! That is, that is, you, you think, of all the people you want to give your life to, a Kiwi. Actually, he was a really funny Kiwi, and he was actually great. But uh, after this World Cup, they're in pretty trouble, aren't they? Uh, but he was the man. He was it. He was the one. So he's at the back, uh, and he's in control. Basically, he's the one that oversees everything. And really, we were there. We were paddling. We were involved. But he was the one that controlled it. We need to put our trust completely in him. Yes, we need to paddle. But we needed to paddle when he told us to paddle and in the direction that he told us to paddle. Because if he didn't do that, we were going to be in the water, very cold in New Zealand. And so we came to the waterfall. <laughs> this is the biggest drop in New Zealand. that You can go off whitewater rafting. And so there we are. And they tell you to get down. Uh, and he's even ducked down at the back. You can see he gets down low. And then you hit the water. And you end up like that. And basically you hit and you're just in TV all sorts of stuff to go. Uh, and see who's standing up? The bloke at the back. Your kiwi guide. We're all under the egg just going, ah! And he's at the back and he keeps you. Keeps you on the straight and narrow and he gets you through the rapids. See, that's what Paul's saying to us <laughs> in Romans chapter 12 that God is the one that's in control of our raft, guys. God is the one that knows exactly how life is. He's planned it. He's got it sorted. He's got it all worked out. Uh, We're in there. We're paddling with him. But we're paddling in the direction that he wants us to go. And we need to trust him. And when he says to get down, you get down. And when the turbulence hits and when the water hits, he's the one that's paddling you out of it. Sometimes we wonder that, don't we? Sometimes we wonder when we're in the middle of all this stuff going on around us. We think, man, what's going on? I can't handle it. I can't. But God's the one paddling you out of it. He's the one at the back and he'll pull you through. And we need to give our lives to him in total surrender to him. You see, worship is not a part of your life. It is your life. That's what Romans 12 says, doesn't it? Uh, sometimes I think in Christian circles we tend to uh, get up and we say we're going to worship God now. What, you weren't doing it before? Uh, the singing, that's the worship time. We weren't doing it before. Oh, we gather. This is just the worship service. We weren't doing it before. We've tended to narrow it down, haven't we? We as Christians, we've tended to say, well, we'll just compartmentalise it. It's just the singing bit. Or it's just when you're alone by yourself with God. Or it's just when you're in some particular state or when you're doing. Now, don't get me wrong, you can worship God in all those circumstances (coughs) and all those situations, but that's way too small for God, isn't it? It's way too small for him. He wants every part of us because he's the one who's paddling you through it. When we just compartmentalise it, we just shunt him out of other parts of our life. Well, okay, I'm coming on Sunday morning, I'm worshipping then, but when I go to work, I can do whatever I like, whenever I like. I'm gonna worship God when I sing. I can do it there, I can be really praising God, I can be really on fire, like my heart's yeah, it's all I'm feeling all the emotion. But then when I get to Monday morning and I'm at school and I'm writing up, ah, who cares? Stuff this. This is I'm gonna That's our whole life. God wants us in view of what He has done for us and giving up Jesus for us. He says I want every part of you because if you give me every part of you, then I'm the one who's paddling for you. I can carry that weight for you. We are to worship God in everything we do, with everyone we know, everywhere we are, every day of the week. Now that can raise your spiritual temperature, doesn't it? Because what you're thinking is when you leave here today, you can say, yeah, great, that was really encouraging, I'm good. But you can keep it going, can't you? Because you can say, I'm going to worship God this afternoon too. I'm going to worship God when I'm down by the river eating my fish and chips. I'm going to worship God when I'm off on Monday morning to work. As I speak to the people on there, I'm actually going to be showing how great God is and I live for Him in every relationship I have, in every place that I am. You know, you can worship God as much digging a hole as you can standing here on Sunday with your hands up in the air. That alters our whole perception of things, doesn't it? It changes. We don't just have to look for the little experience of God. We experience God every day and every moment in everything we do because we're orientating everything to Him. That's worship, guys. That's the biblical worship. Don't get me wrong. The biblical worship has ideas of singing and praise. It's great. Times when you can be sitting and looking out and you can be praising God and worshiping God. But the New Testament takes it and runs it and says, but this becomes every part of your life now because Jesus encompasses every part of your life. That's the amazing thing about it and the joyous thing about it. You see, worship is actually a state of being. It's not just a place. It's not just one experience. It's a state of being. It's orientating everything and who we are towards the one who gave us everything in Jesus? So, how do we express our worship? It looks like what the passage explained a little bit too, isn't it? Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's what we were talking about last week, weren't we? How do we renew our mind? How do we turn our minds to what God wants? Well, you can think about what God wants, but you don't really know what God wants until you know what God says in His Word. That's why we need to get into the Bible. That's why we need to encourage people to be reading the Bible. Because in the Bible, we heard last week, doesn't it, that it gives us life, it restores our soul, it gives us light for our eyes, it sets the path before us. It restores us. And so often we don't go to it, do we? If you want to renew your minds to what God's got on for you and what he's on about, well, get into his word. And sit and listen to his word because you know a lot of people say well I just listen to the spirit sit back and just let the spirit do the work you know what the spirit will never tell you anything other than what God's word does he won't contradict it and sometimes you can get your spirit and God's spirit can get a little bit confused at times but if you're into God's word and you're listening to the spirit those two come together and you will hear God they work together
2: it's a beautiful
0: part of what God's done, isn't it? He brings His Word and His Spirit together and then we hear what He has for us, what He says for us. So He says, going to conform your mind, then you'll be able to attest and approve what God's will is. You'll be able to understand what God's on about, what His will is. That's huge. His good, perfect and pleasing will. As we sit and listen to His Word, as we ask the Spirit to work within us, and as we gather together and do that together, we all know what God's perfect pleasing will is for us. We're going to talk about gathering next week. Are we wonder why we gather together. It's so important why we gather. Because it's part of God's blessings to us, part of one of the, uh, the things that He has provided for us so that we can live for Him. We'll talk more about that next week. You see, we are to worship God in everything we do, with everyone know everywhere we are, every day of the week, God. Oh, And the rest of Romans chapter 12 goes on to explain that in two different categories. And we're not going to go into that, it's going to take us too long. But if you read through the rest of it, it talks about renewing and conforming your mind. And then you think, well, how does that work? Well, great thing Paul says, well, keep reading in the Bible. Normally when you don't know what the Bible's saying to you, keep reading. Because it will actually, generally the Bible tells you. God's working through it and he tells you what it is. And if you go on for the rest of Romans 12 in verses uh, 3 and 4 all the way down, you actually see what he means by that. And he says, first thing, serving God's community with the gifts God has given you. Verses 3 to 8. If you read that, he says, you've been given God gifts by God to serve one another. It's not just for you so you can feel good about it. So you can serve God and serve others, and that's worship. Worshipping God is by serving others with your gifts. That's why we gather together as well, guys. And then you'll see later it's actually to love our community the way God loved us. So verses nine to twenty-one, there's some amazing stuff there, isn't it? If you read through that, whew, you can spend a whole lot of time just thinking through how, do, how does that relate with us? How does that work with us? How do I love my people? How do I love the people God's placed around us like that? We do that as we live in view of God's mercy. And we live a life completely of worship. Completely orientated to Him. We have to worship God in everything we do, with everyone we know, everywhere we are, every day of the week. (laughs) So let me encourage you with that. Think about that in every aspect of what you do. Think of all the things that are around you, how you can orientate your life, every little part of you, to being an act of worship to God. That is, you're orientating what you do to show how much you love Him and how much He loves you and others around you. And you can do that thing. You can do that thing. And this morning, there's two songs right at the beginning particularly. They led into each other so well, didn't they? Uh, going from... Uh, when I survey the wondrous to here I am to worship there were, I got a little bit of goosebumps as I was seeing that last one as it comes together that is a great thing isn't it we don't want to dismiss it it's an excellent thing to be singing and praising God it's a funny thing I don't know, some people don't like singing much but I think everyone likes singing a little and some of us like to sing lots some of us just like to sing lots in the shower or with our headphones on so no one else can hear us. But it's, a, it's an innate thing that God has placed in it. It's a, it's a sense of beauty. So when you read the Psalms and you're seeing a lot of the stuff that's about praising God with music and lyre and tambourines and all sorts of things, God has placed that in us. There is a sense of beauty in music, isn't there? And in that sense of beauty of music, then we get to actually get a sense of who God is as well and we can praise Him and worship Him through music. So do it. Express that. Don't, don't express it just from out here. It's got to be expression from in here to out there. That's what when Joan read that first Psalm, wasn't it? My inmost being, my soul is to praise the Lord. It's to come from a deep-seated inner sense of understanding how much God loves us in His mercy that it comes out this way. So if you want to hold up your hand... Hold up your hand, that's fine. But do it not because you want someone to see you, but because it's coming from the inside. If you want to clap, clap, do it. As it comes out of from the inside, you want to do that. If you want to bow your head, close your eyes, you can do that. But it's probably from here, from inside. And when you do that together here, we're actually doing it as a group, aren't we? This isn't just your individual time of worship when you get here. This is a gathering time. So together we do that about uplifting each other in that so you can do it out on the beach you can stand on the edge of the headlands Lord I pray you can do it people might look a bit weird but you can do it but as you look at the creation and are amazed at the creation don't stay at the creation take it to the cross that's where the scriptures take us we worship God in everything we do with everyone we know, everywhere we are every day of the week and if we are honest about that and if we want to do that and we ask God to enable us to do that and by his spirit to work within us then we will be raising our spiritual temperature guys you know, so often we don't, we wonder why we're not raising a spiritual tender. It's because we're not actually thinking about God in everything that we do. We're getting caught up in everything else over here. We go to work and it's busy and you're flat out on the know it's hard to think. But within that, if you're starting to think about God's got me there to show worship to Him and worship Him within that, changes your orientation, doesn't it? Won't change how hard it is. It's still tough. It, it, it can still be hard, but it changes the orientation within it. And if you start to think about God in everything that we do, it changes everything that we're doing, doesn't it? It raises our spiritual temperature. Can I encourage you with that? Can I encourage you to think about your life, every part of it, being your spiritual act of worship and view of God's wonderful mercy to us? and sending his son to die and to rise again so that we can live in a loving relationship with him and live that out in loving relationships with everyone else around us all because of him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, how good it is to turn our eyes to you, to take our view to you, to look at you, Lord, and to look at what you have done in Jesus. We don't deserve it, but yet in your great love for us, Lord, you died and rose again to deal with our sin, to take the punishment that we deserve so that we don't have to, Lord, so that we can live a life of love to you and love to others, which is a life of worship orientated around you, Lord. Heavenly Father, we pray that as we get into your word, as we sit and listen to you, as we ask your spirit to work within that, as we gather, as we spend time together, as we head out into this week and into our work and our lives that are around us. That we will turn our eyes to you. That we'll see everything as an act of worship to you, our loving, merciful God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.